Would you pray with me as I pray? Oh, Father, I thank you for um, that quiet night 2,000 years ago. I wish we had more of those nights in our own lives where we would just rest in you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us in the next few moments to just leave the distractions of the world and all that even we have planned out there. And let us just be here now because you are here now. Lord, I pray that as we continue to worship you in the word and in song, you would let us gaze upon the light that is the light of the world. And remember that it is well with our souls. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Um, let me see if I can get this thing working. So we are in this series where we've been talking about, are you missing the wonder? And we've looked at how... Um, we can see the wonder of Jesus through the eyes of Anna and Simeon, and we talked about Joseph, and we talked about Mary, and tonight we're going to look at um, seeing the wonder through the eyes of the shepherd, or the shepherds in the field, and the question that I want you to reflect on as we go through tonight in the music and the, um, and the little bit of teaching that we'll be doing is I want you to reflect on the question, are you experiencing the joy of Jesus? Would joy mark your life? Like, would that be your attitude with all that has happened in the last few years and all that is coming forward to us in 2024? And um, would you say that joy is a word that would reflect, that you would be reflected in your soul? And let's pray that tonight allows us all to be reminded that our joy is not found in our circumstances, but it's found in Christ. That Mary and Joseph, in a place that was far from their home and in a situation they never could have dreamed of found joy because they had Jesus, like literally. So let me open up the word to Luke chapter 2 and just read that part. So in Luke chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to a city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David. He was there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. And guys, that is recorded in the Word of God because it is a historical fact. It reminds us that, that God chose a peasant girl from nowhere to be the one who would bring him into the world, chose Joseph, a man that was not a priest or a king or a soldier, but was just a tradesman, a craftsman, to be his earthly father. And they find themselves in the middle of a strange town, and there was no room for them in the inn. And that inn could very well have just been something as simple as like what we think of um, as a rest area or a ramada, it was often described as. 
It could have been a spare area in Joseph's family's home. It could have been a place where all they had was um, the food, where the animals would have stayed to be protected from um, predators during the night. But the reality is that that account is in the Word of God for another reason as well. One, it was a historical fact. But two, it's because it's to, it's to, it begs the question in your heart and mine, do we leave room? There was no room. The Savior of the world came, and everyone in the world in that moment missed it because they left no room. So as we listen to this next song, I want to ask you to, to just reflect on that reality. Have you made room for Jesus tonight? You're here, and I commend you for that, genuinely. Have you made room for him this Christmas season, this weekend? Have you made room for him in your marriage and in your family? Have you made room for him in your soul? Make room. Make room. Father, I do pray right now that you would make room in our hearts that we might, we might receive what you have for us tonight in Jesus' name. Standing still on this moonlit hill alone. The stars fill my eyes, a strange and beautiful sight. And voices singing in the sky, calling through the silent night, bring me to my knees. Heavenly hosts cry, glory, glory.
Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. And the truth. So the question we're looking at is, are you experiencing the joy of Jesus? And the first thing we looked, we see is like the world is, we have constantly been crowding him out of our lives. The world did then. The world is now. We don't want to make room. And if we want to be really honest with ourselves, the reason we don't want to make room is because we don't want him to reign on the throne of our hearts. But see, the the real problem with that is pride. That's, that's every one of our problems. It's yours and mine. Prior to Christ, it's what keeps us from Christ. And once we have come to Christ, it's what keeps us from really just fully giving our lives to him. Because we want to be the king sitting on the throne of our heart. But he came for that position. He's the only one worthy of it. So as we continue to look at this part of Luke chapter 2 that has become a familiar part of the Christmas story, I would ask you, one, are you crowding him out? But two, I would ask you, are you ignoring the good news, the actual good news of the gospel? Maybe it's for the first time unto salvation, but maybe, it's, maybe you are his, but you are ignoring the good news of the fact that the same gospel of grace that saved you is the one that gives you the power to live in the joy that we, that we are given in Christ regardless of our circumstances. So Luke goes on in verse 8, he says, And in the same region there were some shepherds out in the fields who were keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you in this day that in the city of David, a Savior is born to you, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Among those on whom he is pleased. Isn't it interesting and, and, just, and just like God to come to a bunch of shepherds? In verse 8 it says that there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flocks by night. And I was blessed to go to Israel in 2017 and I saw where people in Bethlehem would have been living in caves on the side of the hill 
could have been where Mary and Joseph found themselves with the baby Jesus. And then on the opposite side of this little ravine, there was the hillside where they would actually raise the sheep that would be used to take the five miles to Jerusalem as the Passover lambs. It isn't coincidental that Jesus is born in Bethlehem because he is the Passover lamb. But it is also not coincidental that, that God comes to, has the angels come to a bunch of shepherds because the shepherds were considered the lowliest of the lowly. Like right here at the beginning of the story, Jesus is saying to us, I come to the least of these. I come to the broken that I might make them beautiful. I come to all people. And that's the message that the angels are going to give, but he singles them out because they're simply doing their job. They're living life as faithful servants, and they had a little bit of time to listen. They made a little bit of room, whether they meant to or not, because they didn't have so the, the distractions that we fill our lives with. Let's keep going to verse 9. He says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That word actually in the Greek means terrified. It actually is this idea of being so afraid you are in pain. And that's because angels are amazing beings. It's, he, every time they show up, even in the first couple of chapters of Luke, Zacharias to Mary in the dream with Joseph, the first thing they have to say to everybody they show up to is, Fear not. Don't be afraid. It's because the things of God are glorious, and it's a glory that, that, that drops us to our knees if we just have eyes to see. And in verse 10, he says, And the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. Guys, the word there for good news, you know what it is? Gospel. Euangelion. When he's saying, he's saying, I bring you the gospel. I'm bringing you all of this is being fulfilled. All, the gospel didn't start in the gospels. It didn't start in the gospel of Matthew. The gospel started in Genesis chapter 3. And the gospel moved through Genesis all the way and is continuing on through Revelation that the same God who came once as Christ the baby is going to come again as Christ the king. That's the good news. And he's saying, I bring you the gospel that God saves sinners. Guys, the gospel is not an offer. It's an announcement. God is not hoping that you will respond to his good news. God is announcing what he has done. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? That's the gospel. But he says the gospel is for all people. All people? Really? Let's talk about that for a minute. All people? How about the person who just cuts you off on the freeway and has the Jesus loves you bumper sticker on the back of their car? I'm not pointing any fingers. How about the person, the, the barista at the, at the um, coffee shop that you're, you're waiting in the drive-thru and they can never seem to get your order right, so you have to go back in there again and get them to put the right amount of uh, whipped foam into your coffee? Do you treat them with gospel love? What about the dude that's at the, like it was with me yesterday at Fry's, that's in the express lane with 30-something items in his cart? 
Are you looking at him with the love of Jesus? How about the person who has intentionally hurt you? Let's get, let's get real. How about Democrats? How about Republicans? Guys, the gospel is for all people. Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again for all people. Not just the people we think deserve it, because there aren't any of those, including you and I. The gospel is for all people. It is for the greatest to the least, for the sovereign to the shepherd, from the billionaire to the beggar, from the missionary to the murderer. It is for everyone. It is an announcement that God has done what only he could do because he's the only one who could do it. And that is to come here to live and die our death that we might live his life. That's the good news of the gospel. And he says, for unto you is born. It's important. This part's important, guys, because the gospel is good news, but it's only good news if this next part happens. And this next part is that there's a baby that's going to be born. And the baby is going to be the Christ. The Christ is not Jesus' last name. The Christ is his title. Jesus is his human name. Messiah, Christ, is his divine name. He is the divine one. He is the deliverer. He is the promised one. He's the anointed one. He is the one who comes as God in the flesh. It's the incarnation, and it matters a lot. Because unless God comes here as a man, he cannot die for men. People say, well, what's the, how, why, is, why can't we just all, can't all the religions lead to heaven? No, they can't. Why? Because there's only one that says that heaven came here as a dude and died for all people. That makes all the difference. Because unless he came here as a man, how could he be a sacrifice for men? Now you might say, why do we need a sacrifice? Because we're all rebels. I'm not a rebel. I'm not a sinner. If that's what you're thinking right now, just start there. Because that's our hearts. That's why he had to come. That's why he came. That's what he did. And, and the fact that he is the promised one makes him the one worthy that his sacrifice could be for all people because he was fully God. And then it says that he sent to you today in the city of David, there is born to you not a leader, though Jesus led, not a teacher, though Jesus taught, but a Savior who is Christ the Lord because God sent us what we needed Because in order to understand that you need a Savior, you have to understand that you're a sinner. Otherwise, none of this makes any sense. We have to start there. But we don't stay there. Because if you're having a hard time understanding how you possibly could be a sinner, let's you and I talk during the meal. Because I'll just share my story. Like... We all need a Savior. That's why He is the Savior of all people. But he sent us what we needed, not necessarily what we would have wanted. Because we don't need to stay there and lament the fact that we're still these broken sinners. Because he, God also in the Christmas story tells us about his unrelenting, pursuing love. That's the story of Christmas. Yes, we celebrate a baby born in a manger. But that baby was born to, to not only lay in a manger bed, but to lay down on a cross. And while he's laying there to say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. 
That's the story of Christmas. That's why in verse 13, this, in this amazing story, all of a sudden, after they share the good news with these shepherds, all, these angel, not just one angel is there, but now a whole bunch of angels flood in because they cannot hold themselves back. It says that there was a host of heavenly beings. Why? Because they've been waiting eons for this. They've been like, we, we don't understand the whole story. They're looking in at our story Angels long to look at the grace of God being applied to our lives is what the Word of God tells us. But they're excited to tell the story. And for us, it should, it should, we should be as excited as they are because the story is applied to us. Guys, none of this makes... And the fact that, that God became man and made His dwelling among us and we beheld His glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, John tells us. Because none of that makes any earthly sense. I get it. I get it. Like, I was an atheist for much of my life. I understand the confusion the world has about that message of the gospel. But it makes perfect sense in heavenly accounting. Because the ledger is way too out of balance. You cannot work yourself up to heaven. There is no amount of anything you can do. And, and guys, sadly, too many of us as followers of Christ, somehow, like, we, we somehow connect God's favor upon us, God's blessing, God's, God's love for us on our moral behavior. Like somehow we're trying to earn brownie points with the Heavenly Father. That is purely anti-gospel. The gospel is God did it. Not we do it. And we need to hold on to that. Guys, the king came to take the place of the peasant. That's the story of Christmas. That's what happened in the manger. The king of all creation stepped off of his throne, took on the form of flesh, and lived among us in this filth so that we could follow him home. That's the story of Christmas. As the music team comes back up, I want you just to reflect on, on how Paul, in, in Romans chapter 8, he conveys this, he kind of takes that whole beautiful truth of the gospel, everything I've just talked about for the last 10 minutes or so, and he says, guys, now get this. This is Paul's talking. He says, we shall, uh, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? What things as these? The gospel, that God saves sinners, that Jesus came and lived here. He's saying, what, what, are we, what can we say about that? That in Christ, we are free? That in Christ, we are fully, freely, forever forgiven? He's saying, what can we say about that? And then he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Guys, we have got to stop living such feeble lives of faith. Wherever you are with Jesus right now, whether you are denying his existence, you're just here because somebody brought you, or, or, or you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, guys, all, every one of us needs to spend some time reflecting on what Christ did, what it took for this to be true. And then ask ourselves, what are we going to do about it? Meaning in here, what are we going to do about it? Let me pray to that end. Father, I do come to you right now, Lord, and I pray for hearts 
and the sound of my voice, wherever and whenever that would be, Lord, I pray that you would be opening the spiritual eyes of our heart. Father, the world is a dark place. That's why we love the lights at Christmas time. That's why we're going to light our candles here in a few minutes. Because it reminds us that your light pierces the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. That's your promise. But Lord, I do pray specifically right now for those that are still living in the dark. Or maybe for those even that, that have seen your light, but they're just in a dark time. Lord, I pray that you would remind them of the grand grace of the gospel story. That you're pursuing grace is a real, present promise. Lord, let us see your light in Jesus' name. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin. Oh, no. 
Yeah, it's okay. You can clap. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. But who are we kidding? So are you experiencing the joy of Jesus? Like that song. Like you just listen to that song. And man, if it doesn't bring joy to your heart, I'm not sure if you have a pulse. But sometimes we just crowd him out. And other times we just ignore the good news and what it really means for our lives. And the last thing we see in this passage is that there is a definite call to respond. Like the, the shepherds did something with what they heard. Mary did something with what she heard. Not to earn anything, but because it just they were moved to. Right? We don't do so he will. He did so we do. We talk a lot here at Crosstown about how the first call on the Christian's life is not behave but behold, and when you have an encounter with the living Christ and you behold the glory that is Jesus, it moves you. And it moved them. So these last few verses that we're going to look at, he says, And when the angels had gone forth into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known to them the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it were amazed. They wondered at what the shepherds were telling them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. 
The shepherds went and confirmed what they had heard. Mary sat and pondered what was going on in that reality. But guys, understand this. There is an eternity of difference. Like literally, I'm using that word intentionally. There is an eternity of difference between knowing things about the word of God, hearing things about the word of God, and responding to the word of God. The the shepherds didn't just go, oh, great story. I guess I'll just keep going with my life. Thanks, God, for that little glimpse of glory. Mary didn't just go, wow, what a blessing it is to be called the mother of the Messiah and then go on with the rest of her life. Because, guys, if you have a true encounter with Jesus, like a real response to the offer of his grace on your life, whether that be unto salvation first and foremost, but also just in your daily walk with the Lord. Guys, when you have those moments, when you have those moments where you're, where you're at the end of your rope, and many of you are there right now, many of you that are Christians are there right now, and you're going, I'm just done. The world has worn me out. But then you stop. Prayerfully like on a night like tonight. Good night to do it. And you just breathe him in. And you go, there you are. There you are. But we have to make the time. We have to make the space. We have to go back to where we started. Is there any room in your inn? Right? How do we get to that place with Jesus where, where we are, where it's not just a matter of that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, massively important, but that we are walking with Christ and recognizing that Christ is walking with us. And guys, practically the way we do that is we practice the things that Christmas allows us to think about. We've talked a lot of here as we've been going through Advent about how these different candles, um, I'm going to grab one right here, but as um, different candles point out the different parts of the Christmas, like the, the story, right? And I don't know which candle was which. It doesn't really matter. They're just made up things. But we talked about the peace of God, and we talked about the hope of God, and we talked about um, the love of Christ. And now today we're talking about the joy of Jesus. And all four of those things find, if, find their one fulfillment in this perfect Christ candle. Like this one, that's the message of the gospel, is that all of these for love, peace, hope, joy, find their perfect fulfillment in Christ. So as the practical part of it for you and I is as we're walking along as Christians in this world that does just exhaust us, that does just wear us out, it's really easy for us to leave behind the peace and the hope and the love and the joy. Because those are anti-gospel things. So how do we get back to that? How do we get those candles relit? Well, that answer is there's only one. It's from the source of the light. That Jesus said when he came, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness again. That's the call of the gospel. That's the story of Christmas. Guys, it's crazy talk. I get it. Except it makes perfect sense if you would just allow your heart to hear it. Because in a minute we're going to light these candles and I want to remind you that, that this world is a broken place. This, the, the, the beauty of the, of the candlelight service is that it's, it's a great like, mental reminder of the fact that the world is a dark, broken place. But that light p- 
pierces the darkness. Guys, think about it this way. If, if, I were to, if I were to have Mark turn the light on in our little closet back there, the darkness would not spill into the, the closet. The light from the closet would spill into this room. That's the way light works. So as we're taking our little candles here in a minute and we're lighting from one candle around the room, I want to... I, I, Use it as a, not just as a pretty picture of candles being lit, but as a picture of how the light of the world, Jesus Christ, touching one life after another, can spread from person to person to pierce this present darkness. Guys, we win. Jesus did not come here as a baby born, live his life, die a death, just to go to heaven, even send his spirit to live in us, just to go, now good luck with that. We win. He's coming again. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's still sitting on his throne. And the question becomes, what are we going to do when he returns? If you have not yet bowed your knee, I would pray that, that, that you would do so. That Have a conversation with somebody. We're going to share a meal together. Stick around. There are people in this room that would love to talk to you about how you can do that. But guys, Get this, the good news of great joy is for you. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this season of life. I, see, I just thank you for Christmas. I do. It's, it's, it's so many things in our culture. But for us, it's a reminder of what you were willing to do to redeem back that which was lost at the rebellion, in our rebellion, that you were willing to come here, to empty yourself, to put on flesh. You knew your walk here was a walk of suffering, a walk of pain, a walk of rejection, a walk of loneliness, you, and you knew it was going to be those things before you came. So why'd you come? Love, peace, hope, joy. You knew we were going to need those things. And you were the one that was going to bring them. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you came that we might have life, and life abundantly, you said. So let us live that life of abundance tonight, tomorrow the remainder of this year and into 2024, looking to the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.